0: Your Hoshane with Radical Rocks. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at radical rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. It was sand and hills and rings. The first thing I found was a geo crystals, quartz with no clouds. Today we have got a lot of exciting conversations and topics for you today. We are going to talk about emeralds. They are the birthstone for May. We're going to talk about black tourmaline and golden obsidian. Um, These are becoming more popular. We're going to talk about buying rocks and gems online. What about wine with your rocks? or rocks in your wine we're going to talk about that of course we got fossils saber-toothed tiger and other fossil news we're going to visit in on a lot of rock trips south carolina massachusetts we're going to go check out quartzite what's to do there how to test colored gemstones and so much more, guys. Um, and if we have time at the end, we'll do a little bit more discussions on the Rich Hill Gold District, a most amazing gold district, probably uh, uh, in Arizona, in my humble opinion. If we have time, we'll go into that. But before we get into it, I want to thank everybody for subscribing, for sharing, for uh, making, leaving comments and stuff. You're helping. Get the word out there. Keep rock hounding alive and the lapidary arts alive. That's very important to us here. Um, you can go to radicalrocks.com. You scroll down to the bottom of the page. You're going to see all our links. You can be a part of our groups on Parler or We or other groups. You can go to Rumble, YouTube. We have blogs, um, Facebook, all that good stuff. Whatever, whatever format you like. Stay connected. All kinds of education. And entertainment for the avid rock hound to, to find, all right? Um, so let's get right into it. Let's rock and roll, as they say. Now, oh, I did have one on the colored gemstones, but it doesn't seem to be coming through how to check the different colors, but that dropped. We've had all kinds of technical problems uh, periodically, off and on, throughout the show, and I appreciate you guys being patient and understanding and dealing with my horrible, uh, at times, pronunciation of different words, trying to get the information out there to you folks. First take, first try, um, because we do have a lot of things going on here at the homestead. Just got three sheep, um, got my dogs, just got two chickens, little chicks, getting ready for uh, we you know we recently moved from California to Idaho so we're homesteading up planning doing things like that building chicken coops a lot going on guys just like the rest of you but rocks are so important part of our lives and uh such a wonderful hobby that uh, has been passed down from generation to generation we want to keep that going so one of the great meccas for us here in the United States and the West Coast really across the country is quartzite Arizona Here's what you can do in Quartzsite, Arizona. This is where No Man Land was filmed, uh, according to an article by Kate Machado, and she published that about three days ago at thetravel.com. Some nice pictures of uh, some of the sites to be seen there, some of the gemstones. There's a huge gem shows at Quartzsite every year, starting typically in January and through a lot of that month. Um, There are some places that are open year-round there. A lot of people who live in the colder regions love to go out there because it's so warm. Even in January, um, you can find warm, warm weather, 80 to 100 degrees, even in the winter, oftentimes. Now, they do get cold weather sometimes. It does happen. They do get cold rain and snow and but uh, oftentimes, that's just a week or two, and then it's warm again. It's gone. So people are drawn to Quartzsite, Arizona. I've been there many times myself. Um, the town is a population of no, about less than 4,000 people. But when you look at the high season when uh, Tyson Wells and other popular camping areas are filled up, I would dare say there's uh, half a million people there, maybe more. Um, that's just my wild guess, but man, you can just see there's literally not hundreds, but thousands of campers uh, there in these places where people are out there exploring the desert, exploring these people who come from around the world to sell at these gym cells. I've seen miners from all across the United States. I've met people from Canada, Japan, Africa, bringing in rare gems and minerals from Mongolia, uh, all these different areas. Now, there's a lot more to see there than just the rocks and the gym shows. I mean, if you get connected with some of the local clubs, there's field trips for fossils and gemstones right in the local hills that you can be a part of just connect with these different clubs and groups and and find out how to get in on those field trips sign the waiver because if you get bit by a rattlesnake or eaten by a mountain lion the club doesn't want to have to be responsible you have to be responsible for yourself so you sign your waiver and then you're on your way and you're laughing right so some of these areas, um, there's, of course, the mineral shows and the swap meets. I love the powwow. That's where the real rock hounds and prospectors show up often here from the uh, United States. A lot of my friends are there and have stands. It's really a great time and wonderful things to be found, not just gemstones, but crafted gems and minerals and just specimen pieces. You can also stop often see the tomb of the high jolly the high jolly uh, he was a big part of quartzite he has a tomb it looks like a pyramid it's got a camel on top and a little plaque in his honor he was a syrian immigrant that came to america to do a specific job the government was interested in bringing camels into the desert uh in the early days and he made his home in the town of Quartzite. He was loved by many and had a wonderful reputation, just a wonderful man there. And his final resting place is there and his spirit of kindness and hospitality lives on. There's also the grinding holes of Tyson Wash. These huge holes bored in the sides of the, of the mountains were where they were grinding their foodstuffs, and the Native Americans once called this area their home back then when it was a uh, more water in the area, and these petroglyphs also were left behind that tell stories of the Native Americans, their gods, and their lifestyles can be seen in these hills, in the Tyson Hills. There's... Uh, Selena's Rainbow Garden. The story of Selena is a sad one. Um, A young girl had passed away in 1996 and uh, there's a a garden there of rocks, uh, colorful rocks and stuff. A lot of them embedded in concrete and this area has since become an eight acre attraction where there is uh, many different Little gardens and cactuses and rocks and little replicas of villages all fashioned of rock. It's free to walk through and, of course, um, it's it's worth the visit. Now, did you know there's a beautiful oasis there near in quartzite Palm Canyon, a beautiful place to visit. Um, the palm trees are just spectacular with the backdrop of these rugged mountains that are up there. Um, it is beautiful. These palm trees are thriving up there, and you can go up there and look at that up in the canyon. There's the Historical Society Museum. Uh, Quartzite has been known for mining gold and gemstones, so this Historical Society Museum is filled with information and displays, rock samples, history of the people. The quirky Arizona destination is well categorized there. Stop by and see that. There's also the Reader Oasis books. A lot of books on the area can be found there. Maps, treasure stories, thousands of books are there to be found. Um, if you're looking for that type of history that you just probably can't find online, you'll want to stop by there, guys. So a wonderful place to visit, quartzite, Arizona. Um, if you are in America, definitely got to be on your bucket list. Now, next, guys. Next, emeralds. These are maize birthstone. Beautiful green emeralds. I love them. I love them Beth uh, Bernstein contributed to this article Enchanting Emeralds, the Birthstone of May You can find that at Forbes.com There's a picture of a lovely lady here With emeralds just kind of sitting all around her eye there You know, some sort of a, uh, you know Hip, uh, stylish type, uh, vogue picture there I guess you could say And emeralds are associated with hope and prosperity A very happy color I love green, it's my favorite color Um any women who are born in uh, in May should have an emerald. That's a very important one to have to your collection. I like green tourmaline too. By the way, wears very well. Doesn't broke, doesn't break. Rather, um, Angelie Jolene wear a wore a beautiful pair of pear shaped pennant earrings. She loves them. Many Hollywood stars such as Elizabeth Taylor uh, and others are have been known to decorate themselves with beautiful. Emeralds. So check that out if you want to see some beautiful um emerald gems. Another gem tale about emeralds is the Duchess of Windsor. In addition to the beautiful emerald um, by Cartier and an engagement ring, she owned other emerald pieces. It was an emerald necklace that the Windsors purchased from Harry Wilson in 1956, and it caused more than a stir than anticipated. Because at the ball in Paris the following year, it was attended by the Maharara of Borada, And everyone wanted to see this stunning new necklace. And uh, they all agreed it was beautiful. And after that, those emeralds are going to be used for one of my anklets, so they said. And this was a shock to the Duchess, so she exchanged a piece for another jewelry and agreed that Winston, that the house could not sell the necklace. And Harry Winston had created uh, from that pair of anklets and she bought those back um, and owned that for a short time. The Duchess went on to purchase more jewelry from this renowned house of uh, Winston. So anyway, so much for that. Um, The Searchers. The Searchers Rock and Gym Club they are uh, talking about some field trips upcoming that you might want to be a part of. Um, you want to go to this field trip at Clear Creek. It's going to be May the 15th through the 16th. That's coming up pretty soon. Um, you can call um, Andrew uh, Bloxham and Jimmy Peterson at 571. 571- or email at andrew.bloxom b-l-o-x-o-m at gmail.com and be a part of this trip there's about 150 semi-precious minerals and gemstones um, to be found there the most highly mineralized area in California Serpentine Mass uh, contains two super fun sites the Atlas Mine and the Johns Mansfield associated with mining uh, crystallite, asbestos there's also cinnabar, chromite, mag, magnum, magnesite, jadeite. Um, the Jim Mine, privately located, is a source of high grade uh, bentonite, uh, ba- actually, the best one in the world. You can dig through the tailings there. Rare minerals of neptunite and jack. I hope I'm saying that one right. I've never even heard of that one. Um, other cool things are jaspers, ultraviolet, um, gemstones, plasma, agate. Wow, all kinds of things to be found there. It's very geological, diverse area. They have all the information there. Check that out and be a part of that. Um, they have a beautiful picture of some uh, mariposite. They uh, are going to an exploratory trip on May 8th through the 9th that's coming up right away at Red Mountain and Ballarat and that is going to be up the uh, 95 uh, highway and there is uh, mariposite which is a beautiful colored marble green and uh, white spirals kind of swirls looks like a planet when you make a sphere makes beautiful spheres I made a sphere out of that myself also April 17th through the 18th actually that's coming up much closer the other ones no, that one's passed. So they're commenting on their trip to the uh, Calico Mountains, Green Ash and Mule Mountain Road. Uh, I've done many videos on um, on that area, been up in uh, the Calico Mountains. Wonderful, beautiful gemstones can be found there. They talk about what's found up in that area. Some of those beautiful uh, fossilized wood they found, black agate, Beautiful jaspers and agates to be found there. Many pieces with red and yellow. Uh, I found some that had red, yellow, green, um, golden yellow. Just a really awesome place to collect some beautiful jaspers. And it is so abundant there. So check that out. Um, You can go to... Do they have a website? The searchers. Let's see. I don't searchers they're in anaheim california this is a really active club guys um they go on a lot of trips you might want to get connected with these folks and uh, get their newsletter now rocks to be found like litter both large and small rocks litter our landscape by uh chelsea jandria And she wrote this up in the Observer, found at ObserverToday.com on May the 4th. And um, they just go into going on these trips. Um, There's trips at the ACNC Outdoor Classroom Programs, where they go out and uh, go into the wetlands and walk around and just look at rocks. Um, They could find some with a little hint of pink different textures, rocks, and stuff like that. Um, I have done some field trips on our YouTube channel, some of those might be on Rumble, where we just go out into an area and look at rocks. Um, We don't necessarily find any lapidary rocks or gemstone rocks, but we look at the geology, we talk about it, we talk about what we're looking at, what we could be seeing, and you just never know what you'll find. Um, Sometimes some pretty interesting things will pop up and uh, just trying to see how the land might have been used and knowing a little bit of the history is really enjoyable thing to do and this is kind of what they're doing they're tying it into of course the geology um, the erosion that took place uh, looking at the soil looking at the little rocks and pebbles that are in it looking around at the rocks that are projecting out of the mountains and hillsides um, and in the creek beds so just a, a nice little article on that and bringing to mind that sometimes it doesn't have to be, you know, a place that is known for finding gemstones. It can just be about the trip and learning about the earth anywhere, anywhere, just outside your own backyard, right? Compelled to pick up rocks at the lexingtonchronicle.com. Um, on Sunday, there was an article by Tom Poland who talks about. Being compelled to pick up rocks. Um, this is something that we're just born with. Kids uh, pick up rocks in the yard. Many people are, are go along on a rock trip with someone they know. And next thing you know, there they are, stooping down, picking something up, wanting to know what it is. Rocks have served as uh, many different things throughout the years, of course. From arrowheads to uh, thoughts of protection from danger for Uh, showing your status in the the society or the tribe that you are in. But rock hounding uh, is a wonderful hobby that started in the uh, automotive age here in the United States, especially through the 50s and 60s. You know, the old Route 66, people would get in their cars and trucks and head out across the country to see the country. Um, This was kind of a new thing. Error for Americans and other countries have had similar uh, times in their history where roads were opened up that enabled people to travel by automobile and go on weekend getaways and vacations and see the country' sides that and countries that they live in at a much broader range. uh Rocks were picked up along the way, and of course uh this became a huge hobby in the sixties fifties, and sixties all the way up into the 70s, really started to die down after that. But uh, all kinds of areas here. He mentioned some areas in Graves Mountains um, where Lincoln County is and uh, where some different minerals are collected there, such as quartzite uh, and other minerals that were mined in the 1960s, um, brutal kyanite. Uh, lazarolite, iridescent hematite, pyrite, uh, imunite, musculite, um, fuchsia, barite, sulfur, blue quartz, quartz crystals with hematite coating, um, all these things. This is an area in California, Graves Mountain. So uh, that might be fun to do uh, some research on. There is a club out there, uh, rockhounding clubs, it says. And um, so you can look those up for that area. Also, many geological features to notice out there. uh, The article goes into and you can check that out. Pretty cool. Um, Let's see. Athol Daily News. Um, This isn't Athol, Idaho. This is Athol, Massachusetts. A Geology Field Trip Reveals Gemstones is written up here. Just go to AtholDailyNews.com And uh, that article will pop up Geology Field Trip Reveals Gemstones It was a uh, staff report that was published on the 2nd of May And in Warwick they said that they had a field trip planned here For the Athol Bird and Nature Club It was scheduled for the 17th but they postponed it a week And then about 10 people went out there and uh, some of them are avid rock collectors, and they've located a pit off of uh, Hastings Pond Road where they found massive garnet, olivine, paradite, quartz, magnetite, and other minerals that they found. They showed that this uh, this magnetite has the magnetic properties um, and you could see that. Now they demonstrated how to safely mine this with a hammer and wear eye protection. They also um, stopped in an old black tremoline mine where they found a rock with uh, little minute feathery black tremoline crystals that could also be collected. Um, all kinds of uh, pink uh, Guinness stone. Uh, is there at the Warwick Bedrock. It is the abundant there, the Pink Guinness of Thule Reservoir. And uh, it is due to potassium and feldspar minerals within the rock that you can check out. So that's pretty cool. If you want to check that out, you're in that area of Massachusetts. Now, in the New Yorker, um, which, uh, trust me, they're snobbier than you are, um It's kind of a high-class society article for people who want to, uh, you know, enjoy the city and all the city-type things and enjoy the finer things in life. It says, does your wine really taste like rocks? Uh, It's at newyorker.com. It was written by Adam uh, Leith-Goliner on May the 3rd, and it goes into talking about the minerality of, of wines. What does it mean? Uh, what does it what does it do? How do rocks affect wine now, I went into the article and it starts off telling you about uh wine and the Hungarian volcano uh, in the in the uplands and all that that has been growing since Roman times and uh, this wine tastes kind of like a lemony mineral water uh, grown on the side of this volcano and his efforts of this wine was qualified as Gergoloas Bar. And what that means, if I'm saying it right, is crouching style wine. Now this expression was given to people who made wine that was so awful that visitors would crouch down when passing by the home of the person that made the wine so they wouldn't be spotted and invited in for a drink because they didn't want to taste it, right? So different area locations... The wine actually picks up the taste of the landscape. Um, Some of the terms and phrases that are used for these wines are that uh, it has a granity taste. It has a hint of uh, some sort of mineral that's in the area. The characteristics of the physical landscape can actually give it saltiness, a powdery texture, uh, saturated, pulverized quartz dust or pencil lead taste. Sensations can invoke earthen matter like iron, slate, or gemstones. The taste and aroma can trigger associations of the seashore or freshly fallen rain. So the word minerality has crept into the wine speak uh, language during the 70s and 80s. Um, But it's really been taking off and uh, has been categorizing a lot of wine. And it's very popular to use these terms that uh, a wine has a nuance, a flinty nuance at the end. Or a granity quarry's worth of mineralogy. Now this sounds much better than saying, my wine tastes like you're sucking on a pebble. So these terms have crept into the wine kingdom. Uh, Rocks and minerals are everywhere, guys. You can read more about this. It talks about wine with rocks such as limestone and schist uh, and other types of minerals that have found their way into these fine grapes and wines and making the taste very complex and adding to their flavor, in some cases taking away, right? Right. Very interesting. Now, if you want to talk about another rock-solid experience that you can have, go to shoshonenewspress.com on May the 4th. Rock-solid experience here. Local to uh, me here is the Lucky Friday Mind. Uh, The Helica Mining Company does a lot of silver mining and mining in this area of North Idaho. And they also have a collaboration with the... um, idaho university which is located in a little town called moscow idaho now what they do is they bring in these core drillings which are about two feet long Um, the article is written by ralph barthold of the university of idaho and he talks about how they go and look at these with uh, glasses and magnifying glasses and uh, different things my dogs are going crazy here And they are looking at them to see what's inside and use this as a teaching opportunity. So it's pretty cool. Um, You can sign up for these classes in geology and be one of these geologists to look at this and have this hand-on instruction. See the real world of what's coming out of the ground uh, and look at this. They map and log these findings to where they were extracted, so that they can map out what's underneath the earth and uh, find out which way the mining company should proceed in digging up these valuable, much needed uh, minerals and uh, and metals that are very key in uh, the new, um, you know, batteries and green thing that's supposed to be going on all these uh, billions of dollars going in hopefully some of it makes it to our own country we'll see next up historic colorado holds an annual gem and mineral show i'm going to take a swig of coffee here excuse me oh that's so delicious it has an earthy taste right <laughs> okay that's just wine maybe not coffee um, I bet that affects coffee, too, though, by Joe's. The Mountain Jackpot News. You can go to mountainjackpot.com. The article's written on May the 3rd. Victor Gym and Mineral Show. This is in Colorado. It's outdoor from June the 18th to the 20th. They got free admission, a geology presentation on Saturday, silent auctions. Guys, if you're going to buy rocks and gems... This is what you want to go to. These silent auctions are awesome. I'm not kidding you. You want to hang around that thing like a vulture. Um, There's times when there'll be a lot of people looking at them, but when there's not a lot of people, man, some good deals can be found, my friends. Um, You want to bid on a lot of them and don't give up. Find out how long it is and and keep doing it. You can go to STCFG.com for details and check it out, man. You're going to see Colorado Doug Minerals. Guys, Colorado is awesome. There are so many cool gemstones that come out of Colorado. I did a blog on that. Um, we did we did a uh, podcast on that. You can look that up. Colorado is loaded with all kinds of awesome gemstones that you want in your collection, even if you collect them. I mean, sometimes you only find like a so-so one or this one or that one. You don't find them all. You want to go to this because that is going to be really, really cool. All right, next. Scientists have discovered a fossil. It's the oldest fossil, one of the oldest fossils. Guess how old it is. It's half a billion years old. Fossils of Dickasonia, Earth's oldest animals found in India. Yes, you can find this at TribuneIndia.com. May 30th, they found the oldest one. It's half a million. They actually say 550 million years old. But guess what? At the same time, another article says science have discovered a fossil that's a billion years old. Yes, a billion years old. This fossil was found in the Scottish Highlands. Suggests Earth life started much earlier than previously thought. Guys, (laughs) these articles uh kind of crack me up sometimes uh you know i love fossils i love the new discoveries but uh man they swing from one direction the pendulum swings so hard and so far one way to the next and next week it'll be a whole nother uh group of people saying this is the oldest this is this this is that this has changed so take it all with a grain of salt i always try to say um but newly identified saber tooth cat is one of the largest in history um this world bre- world-breaking record-size bone from a saber-toothed cat was identified at the Ohio State News at OSU.edu under the title "Newly Identified Saber-Toothed Cat Is One of the Largest in History," written by Emily Cadwell. She describes this huge beast as being an animal that once hunted easily, large bison that weigh up to 2,000 pounds, taking these bison down to the ground, these cats weighed an incredible 900 pounds. 900 pound beast coming at you with these huge giant sabers to sink into your body and just tear you apart with their claws bit by bit. They would sink their teeth, likely, into the necks of these animals as modern cats today attack from the back, and they would just claw open their throats and take them down and eat them up. Amazing animals. Uh, Some of the best saber-toothed cats have been found at the La Brea Tar Pits, and this latest one was found in Oregon. There's pictures of some of the fragments here. They've got pictures of the actual bone in the rock, a humerus bone. That was uh, picture was taken by Stephen Schwartz. They're studying these. It's just an amazing world that we live in and the animals that have been here. Now next, guys, Jimbridge, to become the world's largest on-time online rather digital trading platform for gems and jewelry industry at first i saw uh something that said blockchain in this article and i thought oh are these going to be um like digital manifestations of rocks and gem- and gems and minerals which i've seen that they do that but in in fact This is actually, turns out to be, where they're going to sell gems and minerals online. Um, If you want to find out about it, it's London. They want to be the world's largest digital online platform for gemstones in the jewelry industry. Um, And you can check that out at... uh, Where? Okay, you can go to... ProactiveInvestor.co.uk and the article will come up. Gembridge, G E M B R I D G E to become the world's largest online digital trading platform. Oh, and the article is attributed to Katie Pillbeam on May the fourth. If you want to check that out, okay. Um, tourmaline, black tourmaline. You don't see that used too much in gemstones and jewelry. Because uh, it's kind of common um, But it is starting to go up in value So when I saw this article pop up I was curious Black tourmaline here So says the uh, ConstituousItems.com um, Or maybe it's Conscious Con- oh, ConsciousItems.com C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S Better get my glasses on here um, They've got an article on black tourmaline. They make a little bracelet here. They're selling it for like $28. They are kind of ground into these cubes, rounded cubes. Real pretty. Also, um, they say this is to fight off uh, negative energy, absorbs negativity. So this could be quite popular. Um, something that uh, if you're into that or if you're into gemstones, this is something to think about. People like this stuff. And uh, golden obsidian, another stone not quite as dark. Uh, as the uh, black obsidian, but uh, is able to be classified as another one of these uh, pain-relieving, negative energy-absorbing stones that people are very interested in, and it's quite different. You know, these darker colors are not that popular uh, historically, so it's kind of nice to see these darker colors um, being used in a positive manner and uh, bringing those into the limelight. All right, guys. Uh, sorry about my dogs in the background. I don't know why they're going crazy. We just got some sheep and uh, you know what? Oh, there's some deer in the backyard. The dogs are barking at a deer. I see them. Yep, there's a couple doe out there. They My dogs are not going to shut up when they see that going on. So if you're still with us, we are going to talk about Rich Hill, the amazing history of Arizona's most amazing gold district. Um, the book is written by M. Catherine Crumby, Ph.D., Chris T. Golson, Bachelor's of Science, Danette S. Loretta, Ph.D., Eric B. Melanchlory, Ph.D. This book is a must-have, um, and we are going to talk about the Leviathan Mine. This is a spectacular mine that produced much, much gold. Um, the records show that this was discovered, um, Uh, Dennis May, who probably discovered the Congress gold mine north of Wickenburg, had filed the original claim on a Leviathan as well. Um, The Leviathan included the Denver, the Chester, the Grantley, and the Germatic mines. Also, uh, May was an employee of the Vulture Mine, super famous mine, where Charles Statton was the assay officer of the Secton uh, White uh was also a manager, and Stanton and White convinced May that it was not necessary to complete the yearly assessment at the Leviathan claim and Then when the claim ownership lapsed, um Stanton and Secton filed ownership and were granted the claim of the mine afterwards so some uh some sneaky shenanigans going on there a year after the claim was filed. Secton disappeared with all the gold and back pay from the Vulture mine safe, and was never heard from again. Uh, Staten moved to Rich Hill, where his old boss disappeared, and from among other ventures, tried to open the Leviathan deposit as a mine. While workers were hired to perform uh, exploration, they produced some nice specimens. Shallow prospects excavated at the time didn't produce what they considered commercial amounts of gold at the time. Staten had a reputation because of his reputation of several salted mines. Uh, Court records reveal in 1899, the governor suggested that some of the Leviathan samples possessed by Staten were actually high-graded from the Johnson mine. So, not much is known about the early days of the Leviathan mines due to Staten's secretive nature and premature death, Um, but... The ownership on the Leviathan mine was a mineral patent that was granted to Charles Statton in 1888, almost two years after Statton's death. In 1934, Charles Rich and others brought the property um, and began some serious mining. In 1934 and 1941, the mine produced an amount of gold and silver comparable to the Myers mine, from 2000 foot workings including a 250 foot main shaft and drifts with about 12 other shafts the ore averaged a quarter ounce of gold per ton but one worker recalled rich pockets of specimens that filled a 5 gallon bucket yielding 500 pounds or excuse me 500 dollars 25 ounces in gold um and remember gold was at that time like 30 dollars an ounce um, the mine closed and the operations um, prior to World War II um, were done. The mine remained idle until 1984 and 1986. The Los Sergios Mine Corporation of Scottsdale, Arizona, did some surveying on the site. They drilled a couple thousand feet, did some exploratory core drilling, and found a vein. It was about 2,000 feet long, strikes at about 50 degrees east and north, and dips 40 degrees to the northwest. The maximum of the vein is 12 feet, but averages only 3 feet. The vein is paralleled by dikes at the die base, filled with gold, quartz, and silver bearing galena and calparite. So, pretty cool mine. Um, Not tons and tons of history. There was also nearby a mountainside mine. Uh, This was discovered in 1897 by an engineer. Uh, They did a 250-foot shaft. Um, They did a two-stamp mill uh, and did sulfite flotation, used mercury and amalgam. Uh, They used the cyanide leaching techniques. And they did that in 1898, 1899. It also included the Mountaineer Golden Mountainside mountaintop, Northern End, and Mamie claims. It had a 1,100-foot tunnel. It had a 400-foot shaft. 140-foot shaft was also sunk down on the north end. About 500 tons of ore were milled between 1898 and 1934 with several shipments of high-grade galena pyrite shipped to Globe, Arizona for the smelter. There was 1.5 ounces of gold per ton and 1.5 ounces of silver per ton, and the mine produced about 800 ounces of gold during this period. Uh, They have a picture of a beautiful stock share here, someone who had a stock certificate. Some of those old gold mining certificates are very collectible, very historical. Um, they sold the mine for 80000 in 1941 with a 15% royalty, and um, they still claimed it contained uh, 175,000 tons of ore at an ounce and a quarter per ton. The mining uh, workings were cleaned up in 1983. It was re-timbered, extended to two gold-rich veins. A small quantity of hand-selected ore was processed using jaw crusher, ball mill, In a gravity table, a few tons were processed, yielding about an ounce of gold per ton. So, sounds pretty good. Also, there's the Dixie Rikon mine. Um, They say it produced about 4,000 ounces of gold and silver between 1880 and 1902. Um, Very neat. They had a vein that was at least 5,500 feet long, up to 50 feet thick. Gold-rich galena. Uh, was about 3,300 foot long tunnel, um, about an average about 14 inches thick, where it was uh, richer ore from 1904 to 1907. The Rikon Gold Mining Company um, took possession, they produced about 2,000 ounces of gold and 1,000 ounces of silver with a lot of lead as well. And uh, the exact number, as many of these mines, they don't know exactly how much was produced, but they averaged uh, about seven ounces of gold and six ounces of silver per ton on a 100-foot interval of a 3,700-foot stopes and drifts that they dug. They have a a diagram of these workings where they were able to stope this out. This thing is terrifying. A stope is basically, okay, so when you have like a, a dike, You know, those dikes are usually uh, maybe about the size of the vein or the workings. So they're not, you know, super, super, super high. But these stopes sometimes get pretty incredible. This stope was actually a 700-foot tall stope. So just imagine you're down in the ground. um, You're down there at about uh, 900-foot level, and you look up. And 775 foot above your head is the ceiling that was dug out. I mean, one rock falls down on your head. Even if you have a hard hat on, you're probably going to die, right? That is pretty scary. But that's what they dug in this mine. Pretty incredible. The Rikon Mine Company um, held many, many claims in the area. Um, There's a lot of history here about the ore and different things that were shipped out of this area. Um, also, they go into the Devil's Nest Mine. Of course, we're not going to cover every little bit of the book. We're just talking about some of the highlights. We want you to purchase the book for your collection. I don't make any money off of this. It's just a great book if you're a gold bug, you like gold mining. you got to have this in your collection. Um, I don't know these people or, or any... I have met Eric, actually. He signed my book. But, uh, you know, if we're going to... If we're going to pleasurize the book, we want to give it a good plug, right? Because So you go out and buy it. We don't want to just uh, read chapter to chapter. But we do want to highlight some of these wonderful findings. The Devil's Nest Mine is another great mine um, that was discovered. It talks about the gold. It wasn't quite as fabulous as some of these other mines. Um, the 16 to 1, also known as the Schoonover Mine. Uh, this was a 4 to 5 foot um, vein that uh, was quite rich. Uh, They produced at least 100 ounces of gold from 1920 to 1930. In 1973, Carl Carlson purchased the mine, Um, and there's no real record that he did anything there, but there is a diagram of um, a huge open stope, a caved-in stope, and some of the holes and findings that were there. There's tables uh, that detail the uh, minute Bits of minerals and stuff that were found in the area that you can read if you want to find out more about those minerals that were found in that area. Um, these are great areas to go around where it's not claimed. There's open land, and you're going to find a lot of these minerals in the tailings. So uh, certainly don't want to go down in these huge old holes and and uh, these shafts. You can fall in- to your death. Happens every year. People die in these things. So uh, be careful if you do explore. Next time we'll talk about uh, um, some other history in the area through the uh, 1928 to 1970s. Um, We will talk about a few different things. There's some beautiful pictures here and maps about the area and uh, just a wonderful book. And then I think we'll probably wrap it up uh, with that. There is also you know, modern day nugget hunting that's going on there. We'll talk about that, how that's done through metal detecting, um, uh, high bankers, you know, uh, dry washes, and different things like that. Uh, there's also a great uh, references in the back that you can look at the Rich Hill Gold Hunters Association. That might be something you want to look into if you want to go gold hunting down there. I've got their contact information here. The Gold Rock and Gem Adventurers Club, that's in Prescott, Arizona. Um, the Gold Association of, uh, or the Arizona Association of Gold Prospectors, Mesa Gold Diggers Prospecting Club, the Road Runners Prospecting Club, um, the GPAA, the Lost Goldman Mining Association, all sorts of uh, organizations that can get you into prospecting gold and assist you if that is something you want to add. To your rock hounding. All right? So, guys, that's going to conclude today's show. I want to thank you for staying tuned I remind you, please like, share, uh, and uh, do all of that good stuff. Stop by our website at RadicalRocks.com. And remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify.